Okay. Today, my guest is Professor J.T. Lee. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about J.T. as a person. Professor Lee is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Lee is an AIB fellow. He has served as the vice president of the AIB and the program chair of the 2018 AIB annual conference. He is an editor of GIPS, responsible for research related to strategy and policy in emerging economies. He has served as associate editor for SMJ, sits on the editorial boards of AMJ, Global Strategy Journal, Journal of Management and Long Range Planning. Uh, his research interests are in organizational learning, strategic alliances, corporate governance, innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, Professor Lee actively serves the Hong Kong community. He writes regularly for the Hong Kong Economic Journal, serves on the business panel of the University Grants Committee, and has been a member on the Research Grants Council. Uh, thank you, JT, for joining us. Thank you so much, you guys, for, for inviting me. Um, yeah, very pleased to be here. Perfect. Uh, JT, uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? Uh, that is a very good question. Uh, I think we have to put this into the context, right? So uh, I was uh, growing up in the Cultural Revolution uh, in a small city in China. Uh, so um, I remember, right, of course, uh, uh, in my primary school, um, there was not much serious uh, study or education, right? So. Uh, but then, uh, you know, cultural evolution ended. So Deng Xiaoping uh, came up, came and uh, proposed uh, what we could know now as economic transition, right? The full modernization, modernization of industry, modernization of science and technology. And uh, suddenly, uh, I was in the secondary school, uh, so everything become very serious now. So everybody was studying very hard. It's everything about the mathematics, uh, you know, physics. And the chemistry, right? Uh, because uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, China was uh, very backward at that time. China wanted to catch up uh, with the U.S. Uh, and uh, there's a national exam for getting to colleges uh, that's being restored. It was stopped in Cultural Revolution, but so, so there, there, there was a national exam. Uh, so, so in the small city I was in, uh, so there, there were a lot of competition uh, for mathematics competition. It turned out I was very good at them. So I became a, a champion in my small city in math, uh, you know, competition. So, so naturally I, you know, I developed my interest into science and technology. Uh, so yeah, so I, I went to, uh, you know, uh, engineering uh, school. Interesting. And uh, starting with your elementary and secondary education and so much embedded in uh, science and uh, science background, like the STEM uh, programs. Yeah, STEM, uh, yeah. Uh, how did you make the transition to the business school? How did you get into the uh, field of academia in IB? Uh, what was the connection? Yeah, so so that, that was, of course, uh, uh, quite a long story. Uh, so I went to uh, the college and the study engineering. And, uh, uh, you know, towards the you know, towards the, you know, my, uh, you know, more for senior year, right? Uh, so, so the college I was at want to develop uh, a management program uh, because at that time, 
you know, initially China want to develop science engineering, right, uh, technology. Uh, so all the young people want to start the engineering and science, right? Uh, but then, uh, you know, China realized that it needed to develop, uh, you know, uh, the management talent, right? The businesses that they want to learn, uh, managing, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, techniques, right? So that began. They began to basically encourage uh, engineering students to learn more about engineering management. So I took some more elective courses in my uh, senior year. And uh, that's when we also learn about the MB program. So uh, at that time, the young people, of course, in China, uh, you know, aspire, inspired to, you know, go study abroad, right, uh, in the US, uh, in Europe, in Japan, right? So, and to study management, uh, business and management. So, so yeah, I, I made the transition uh, from being an engineer, studying engineering to, engineering, learning about, uh, you know, management, right? So, uh, and setting my goal uh, to study MBA, uh, you know, uh, abroad, right? Uh, in, in my, uh, you know, the last year for my college. And uh, how did you choose academia to, to do research instead of joining the industry? Uh, yeah, so so my initial, of course, I have no idea about what is a, a academia, of course, right, <laughs> as a young man. Of course, uh, you know, first I was excited about, uh, you know, learning about engineering. And then I was excited about learning about management, right? Business and management, right? Uh, especially the MBA. So this was in the early mid uh, 1980s, right? It's all about, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, of course, we know Japanese companies are doing very well. Uh, U.S. companies are, you know, are catching up. And so, uh, so as China, of course, is, uh, it was way behind. Uh, so yeah, so initial was really about uh, you know uh, being a manager, right? Being learn about the business and management, not so much about uh, uh, being uh, academic. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting about you. Uh, yeah. So so this uh, yeah okay. So that that's interesting. So uh, maybe I can just uh, you know explain a little bit about the college that I went to, right? And my career uh, changes, right? Uh, so, so the college I went to is, is very special. It's called the Maritime College. It's a Maritime University. So what I was trained was to be an engineer on a merchant ship. Oh, uh, you know, for the, you know, the, 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 you know, so basically the company, uh, you know, the in China called China Ocean Shipping Company, Costco. Okay, uh, so the, the the so I was trained for four years to work in the engine room in the in the, the big 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 uh, ocean going merging the ships. Now why was that? Uh, because maybe in my mind early day, even when I was a child, right? China was closing to the world for thirty years, right? Uh, there, there was really no interaction with outside the world. And there were only two ways you can connect with outside. Why is this, uh, you know, by merchant ships, right? The ocean shipping, cargo ships, you travel from China to other countries, right? Uh, you know, Africa, Europe, so on and so forth. Uh, so, so I was, you know, I went to this maritime university uh, to be in a career that I will travel around the world, uh, not in the airplane, but on a merchant ship. Uh, being in engineering, in the engineer in the engineer room. 
Did you actually get on a boat and like one of his big ships? I did. And, uh, I did. did you? I did. How long yeah, was I the did. trip? So, uh, so I did an internship, but uh, I would say uh, something like uh, around six months. Oh. Uh, but but that those uh, you know, so I was uh, on the uh, uh, ship, right? Merchant ship, big bulk uh, ship. Uh, I, I think I was in the engine room, being an intern uh, of um, you know engine uh, engineer intern, right? So. Uh, so there was one, you know, of course, there was mainly around China. So I remember uh, from Shanghai uh, to Dalian in the, no uh, to, in the, in the north, uh, you know, to Shanghai, and from Shanghai to Guangzhou. Uh, but, but it's along the, you know, uh, basically within China for about five to six months. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I was very young, but, but it's kind of very, very challenging, right? Uh, you know, uh, was very exciting as well. But there was one problem. The problem was that, of course, in college, uh, I also studied uh, very hard, right? Uh, so it turned out I, I, I began to wear my glasses, see, right? So, so I have a near sight. But, but this was 30 years ago, right? So the, the, uh, the engine room on the big ship, they were not computer uh, controlled, they are not air conditioned. These were very, you know, uh, still, you know, uh, very hot, right? There's not air conditioning. Uh, uh, so you cannot wear your glass, right? If you wear glass, then, you know, you can't work in the engine room. So, so by the fact I studied very hard, I get myself with a glass, then I became disqualified uh, <laughs> for being able to work in, uh, in the engine room for these big, uh, you know, merchant uh, shipping companies, right? So that's why later on in my senior year, I was being transferred to what we call the uh, transportation management program. So basically, so so before I was want to be engineer, and now I want to be called, become a managing the logistics company. So that's also the reason I moved to the management area. Hmm. I, mean, I, I met a captain who worked for Sumitomo, and uh, that, that person uh, told me that his trips would take about a year. And I asked him about how he thought about his family, like how do you uh, how do you maintain a family that you only right. see once a year for a couple of weeks, and then you don't see them for an entire year, and then the, the child is grown. Uh, you know, things have changed. Uh, this that's a very difficult life. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm glad uh, I mean I did not uh, uh, go. You know, life. Uh, you know, has its way of. Uh, you know, as I did not go that way, right? So, but but I can tell you, uh, at the time I was, uh, you know, the, at, at my time, you know, uh, it, it was very prestigious to be working on, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a ship going abroad. Uh, because uh, as I mentioned, China was very much close to uh, being able to have interactions abroad and be able to see what's going on outside was really something people, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, really has, uh, you know, would like to have. It's very prestigious to be able to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. True. JT, if you could do it all over again, would you do exactly what you did or would you change something? Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I don't, yeah, of course, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, those, those are something I studied when I was very young. Of course, later on, I developed other interests, right? So, so yeah, as you said, of course, uh, China had opened up. 
that there were more opportunities opportunity to learn at the intake with outside the world. Yeah, so, so, so I would not, you know, of course, uh, I have not, but I do, I do enjoy. Uh, I mean, it has something in myself, so there's good reason why I'm an Abbey scholar, right? Because I have some curiosity about uh, what's outside of uh, my home country, right? So uh, in early age, I want to go uh, go outside. You know, the only way at that time I was working on, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, merchant uh, uh, ship, right? Uh, going abroad. Uh, so so yeah. So now, of course, I enjoy. Uh, learning about a different culture, you know, uh, traveling, uh, global conferences, so on so forth. Yeah, uh, but 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 of course, I you know it, it it's a, it's not a career, uh, you know, it, for it, because it, it actually has uh, you know uh, it's very difficult, right? You, you would be long time away from your family, so on so forth. Yeah. JT, uh, what did you learn from your biggest mistake or failure? Um. Yeah. So. So I guess I tried, you know. So I would not. I would say I, I tried a lot of things, right? So um, I, I think the life is about experiences, right? So, uh, so I like diversity in a sense. So if you look at me, uh, am I a typical academic? Uh, the answer is most likely, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, I am. But but then, so I was. Uh, you know, I, I was, of course, uh, you know, one time I was a managing, full-time management consultant, right? So I was, uh, so I was academic, I was working uh, in the U.S., uh, in the university. And then, of course, uh, then I came back to Hong Kong working for uh, managing the consulting for a few years, right? Uh, so, so that was, uh, you know, uh, the thing, of course, uh, you know, after coming back to uh, academia, I also spent uh, quite a lot of time being department, uh, you know, department head, associate dean, a senior associate dean, right, uh, for quite some years, all right, for ten years. Uh, so, so I, you know, so so I've been doing academic research. I've been in administration. Uh, I've been in uh, managing the consulting. Uh, so, so if you, if you ask me, would I be more uh, productive in terms of my research papers? Uh, not doing administration for ten years. Uh, my answer is yes, right? Uh, so, so, um, but I think the all these are the experiences I feel. I, I set up a goal. I try to do something different, and uh, I give it a try. I, I feel that I fulfill something. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, so, so, so life is about the experiences. Uh, that that's you know. So every experience I had, I should learn quite a lot. Perfect. Now, uh, let's talk about research. Uh, nothing uh, particular about one paper, but in general about your body of work. Uh, when you see uh, laymen on the street, when, when they are curious about you, like you're stranded in a pub in a small village, uh, how do you explain your research to people who don't read uh, scholarly work? And why yeah, your so research is important? Yeah, so so that that is a very good question, right? So it 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 depends on where this uh, a small village, where is this pop uh, pop is, right? So so now I, I imagine this small village is in an emerging market, right? So uh, so because that's the work that I do uh, for last ten years, right? So I work on research on emerging markets. Uh, so so I imagine, for example, this could be a small village in China or in Brazil or somewhere. And uh, uh, people ask me what I do. Uh, so of course, uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, of course, I'm, you know, I work with companies. I work with uh, uh, managers. 
uh, help businesses, right? Uh, so, uh, so I'm a strategy person, right? So I do uh, help companies how to, uh, you know, how how do, how do they become successful, right? Uh, in terms of new products, new markets, new strategy, uh, and I look at the international, right? So, so last ten years I've been doing research. Look at the emerging market, uh, the multinational companies, so firms from emerging markets. I look at their cross-border uh, mergers acquisitions, right? So that's one area of what I do. Uh, Chinese companies going abroad. Uh, I look at innovations in emerging market, what I call the reverse innovations. Right, so this is very interesting. Uh, so of course, I remember in my early days in the U.S. in my doctoral program, we learned uh, from Professor Werner, right, about this idea for international product product life cycle. Right, the major innovations were developed in developed economies like U.S., Europe, uh, Japan. Right, why? Because developed economies have the institutional infrastructure, has the uh, manager uh, te technical talents. Uh, have the financial capital, which allow these major radical innovations to happen. And once the innovations are developed in, in advanced economies, right, then we have American multinational companies, European multinational companies, Japanese multinational companies bring this innovation, right, to developing countries, to emerging markets. So that's what we understand as the main, uh, main process for international uh, you know, innovations, right? What we call the, uh, the theory of international product, product life cycle. So last 10 years, 10 years, what we see is there's a lot of innovations coming from emerging markets, right? Uh, that's what I call the reverse innovations, right? So just look at the TikTok, right? TikTok in the US, now you have over 100 million, right? Uh, young people, right, uh, using TikTok in the US, right? It's innovation, right? Innovation come from emerging market, uh, come from China. So, so a colleague, uh, you know, Ken Spoff from uh, 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 National University of Singapore and I, we, we look at uh, reversing this reverse innovation idea and we look at how, uh, you know, uh, China develops innovation. Uh, you know, uh, so patents, inventions developed in China for Chinese market, but it turned out uh, being, uh, you know, has its value uh, being adopted by companies in the U.S. And we did uh, this about the patents, right? And, and we, we published this paper in, in Jigs. So, so the idea of knowledge flows are two-way street. So, so last five years, you know, we have this U.S.-China uh, economic tensions, trade tensions, technology competition. Uh, one key assumption, I think, from Trump was was, was uh, administration was that the technology uh, was very much one-way street. The technology moving from uh, U.S. to China. So China has been developed very fast over 30, 40 years. Uh, wonderful, but with the U.S. technology, probably did not fairly compensating for the technology uh, from the U.S., knowledge from the U.S., right? So our study, uh, you know, we look at the uh, innovations, knowledge creation from China and being adopted by U.S. companies. And so it suggests that, uh, you know, last 10 years, there's another direction for knowledge transfer. So knowledge can flow not only from uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, West to China to emerging market, but knowledge can also flow the technical knowledge from emerging market 
uh, to the uh, uh, to the West, to the U.S., to the advanced economies. So I thought that, that is quite uh, interesting, right? So it is not only it actually helped with some of the policy uh, discussions that we have. So I feel that you know, as a scholar, I feel you know, uh, you know, uh, the research we have, uh, we are doing can really have uh, uh, the social impact that that we we would like to yeah talk we have been talking about. If a patient comes to you and asks, what's the next five to 10 years of the field going to look like? Well, some big questions uh, for the IB field, uh, some of the forgotten variables, forgotten contexts uh, in IB. Mm. What's mm. the okay. next so, step? So very good. Uh, yeah, so I can, of course, uh, I can, uh, you know, so I've been, uh, you know, I, so I've been involved uh, with, with, with several projects recently. Uh, which uh, I'm either the guest editor or you know or published papers in some of these areas. Uh, so I feel there are several you know at least three areas, right? It's definitely uh, will be uh, you know the uh, you know, basically the the conversation, right? Determine the conversation for RB research in the next five years, ten years, right? So why one area is the digital uh, digital economy, digital technology. Right, digital transformation, right? So, um, uh, you know, the, the, the last five years, we definitely see more for more, more and work in this area, right? Uh, certainly, uh, you know, a, a traditional for our RB field, right? We're talking about uh, multinationality. We're talking about, you know, basically, you know, how many, how much assets we have abroad, how many employees we have abroad, how many subsidies we have abroad, what's our you know, percentage of foreign sales, right? So our theory in, in, in RB, right, we call them a foreign direct investment theory, right? FDI theory, right? Uh, you know, where the location for investment, uh, ownership of the ranches, so on and so forth. Uh, so we have been doing that for the last 30, 40, uh, uh, 50 years, right? So, 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 but in future with digital innovation, the digitalization, uh, digital transformation, I think the way we look at globalization, the way we look at, uh, uh, you know, internalization will be very different, right? I, you know, so uh, so what is a global business? What is a multinational company? You know, uh, that will be, uh, what is the theory for international business? Those probably also uh, need to change, right? For example, right, so for many years, I, I've been, you know, we've been talking about firm specific advantages, right? We talk about a company, how a company develop, uh, you know, a strategy advantages, right? But, you know, so so 2019, I have a, a paper, which is what I call, you know, how we can develop ecosystem specific advantages or ESA, right? We're not talking about FSA, firm specific advantages. Now, next five years, 10 years, 20 years, we will talk about the, the digital platforms. We will talk about the ecosystems and we will talk about the ecosystem specific advantages, the idea of ESA, right? So, so I so so I, this was actually just a, a prospect paper uh, in Jeeps, right? Um, uh, but but we need to more we need to have more empirical research. Uh, so so I work with uh, Klaus and a few colleagues. So we, so we have a special issue in Jeeps on RB and the digital economy, which will come out uh, uh, this year. And uh, we we also doing more empirical research myself, uh, looking at uh, you know platforms, uh, you know international competition uh, in platforms. 
So, so I think that the so so one big area is fundamentally uh, this digital technology industry 4.0. Uh, you know, we talk about the AI, machine learning, uh, you know, three D printing. So all these technology advancement how that affects businesses, affects supply chains, value chains, supply supply. This uh, the way we do global business and the way we develop global international business theories. So, so this is the technology. Uh, this is big, uh, big, big one big area. Interesting. Uh, I, um, I can give uh, you another area, another area which I'm, uh, you know, of course, is what we call the uh, the geopolitical challenges, right? Uh, because I, I, you know, I so I say this because I do more work now. So I'm I'm based in Hong Kong. So last uh, you know uh, almost uh, twenty five years, thirty years. Uh, so so now uh, I, you know uh, you know for many years. Right. I'm one of the beneficiaries of uh, globalization. I was, uh, you know, I went to US to study my education there. I, I also taught in the US, right? I, I was a professor there as well. So, 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 so for many years, uh, we have taken globalization for granted, right? So being obvious scholar, being international economist, uh, we see, of course, the benefits of globalization. Uh, you know, uh, the one a world market, global strategy, right? So, so we all excited. This is really the golden era, right? So, so then, of course, the last ten years, right? Probably more than that, right? We see uh, this, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, deglobalization, anti-globalization, fragmentation, right? Disintegration, uh, and of course, the last five years, more so with the, uh, you know, uh, U.S. China. Uh, you know, uh, uh, frictions and the tensions, uh, so on so forth. So, so I was actually was actually in a very you know difficult uh, uh, you know uh, uh, position to see that the really the the the, the tensions. Uh, you know that that worries me. Right. So, so, so in that sense, I feel as an RB scholars, uh, I, I think we should begin to face the challenge of what we know in that maybe in the next five years, ten years, twenty years. This it will be a challenging period. It's not going to be, you know, uh, what we had, uh, you know, twenty years, ten years earlier, where everybody was saying, you know, we want to have one globalized world, right? And uh, RB is definitely something we do. But now, for the next five years, ten years, uh, people will begin to challenge uh, the whole landscape that that we do international business, right? The geopolitical challenge. What does that mean for? Companies, multinational companies. What does it mean for American companies? What does it mean for uh, Chinese companies who want to do international business, right? Uh, so, so what does that mean for uh, you know our uh, theories, right? Our research. Uh, so, so, so clearly, you know, uh, you know. For example, I do some work uh, last few years on. Um, you know the belt and and the road uh, effect uh, initiative, right? Uh, one belt, one road, and I published uh, a, a perspective paper which look at the foreign direct investment along the belt and the road, uh, looking from a more political economy uh, perspective. Uh, so I feel it's interesting to bring in. So the last few years I learned more about political science, uh, international relations. Uh, so I feel you know, uh, so that there's so much uh, knowledge that I did not know before, uh, which now is so relevant. Uh, I mean, as RB scholar, I, I think uh, you know, for next few uh, next five years, ten years, I, I think the the tensions, right? Uh, uh, you know, the, the deglobalization, fragmentation, uh, you know, uh, uh, these will be with us for some time to come, okay? And that would be one of the key challenges for us as uh, RB scholars, 
uh, uh, SRB community and definitely uh, SRB educators, of course, are also uh, challenges for companies. Yeah. Thank you. This was very well done. This was very insightful. Thank you. Um, now, for the sake of time, I want to ask you questions about mentoring and advice uh, to young scholars, young PhD students, sure. and uh, junior faculty. Uh, can you name a couple of the big mistakes that people at the early, early stages of their careers make? And uh, what would you say don't do? Uh, this is not a good thing to do early, uh, early on in, the, in in a career. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Um, so I would say I'm fortunate uh, to to have been uh, you know to have the opportunity to work with uh, you know. Um, uh, quite a lot of young people, right? Uh, my doctoral students, junior faculty members over the years. Um, some of them are very successful now. You know, uh, my former students from Hong Kong now a full professor at, uh, you know, uh, university in the US, uh, you know, uh, Canada, uh, Australia, and so forth. So, uh, and of course, also leading university in Hong Kong and, and China. Uh, so, 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 so actually, I feel the young people are really keeping me um, what what keep me going right in my research uh, uh, programs right so uh, that that's actually uh, get uh, some of the new ideas a lot of new ideas I have are from uh, my uh, students from my co-authors uh, you know uh, so I you know I truly enjoy uh, working with with them so so that's also I tend to have a lot of students right so who, who want to work with me uh, so I feel you know that makes me very proud. Um, now, what, what are the common mistakes uh, young people, right, uh, students uh, made? Uh, I think that linked to more with our institution, uh, the institution system that, that we have, uh, unfortunately, right? So, so in the way that um, uh, one, one thing, of course, is, is the pressure to publish, right? So uh, the pressure to publish in, 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 in good journals early on, as fast as you can. Uh, so, so in our, you know, so, so I sense in our doctoral programs, right? The young, the student, when I was in the PhD program, uh, you know, my professors did not really tell me that you have to publish, right? Even though I did uh, uh, publish early on in my doctoral program, but, but, but there was not this institutional kind of pressure, you know, everybody telling you that you, you have to publish uh, as soon as possible. Uh, rather, the advice I had early on in my program was that, you know, just doing good work, right? Doing high quality work, uh, doing something that excited you, something that you are passionate about, right? Take your time, read the literature, you know, uh, you learn about, uh, you know, uh, things from different disciplines and, uh, you know, uh, go deep, right? And, uh, you know, really what, what that's what a scholarship, what research is about. I guess last five years, uh, well, you know, one of the things is uh, I feel uh, uh, maybe in, in, in here as well, in the emerging market as well, is that there's this uh, lack of patience, right? Um, for, for research, people say, I can't wait. All right, I can't wait, uh, uh, you know, for for one year or two years to really study a topic. I only have a few months. I have to generate a paper in a few months. So, so I feel that is something uh, definitely a mistake. Okay, people, uh, students, 
you know, they need to take their time, you know, cool down a little bit, really go deep, dig in to research, uh, learn about the theories, uh, literature, phenomena, the method, the data, and, and really spend the time doing good, really good work, rather than focus on, on too much of the, you know, the, the outcome, right? Like, you, know, uh, you know, can I have one article, can I publish two articles, can, can I publish three articles? Uh, so so, so I, I think that fundamental mindset uh, to me uh, was actually uh, the, the big, uh, uh, it's dangerous in the way. Uh, once people have that mindset that they are just after the number of publications, right, as soon as possible, then of course there's no uh, no efforts uh, made to really understand uh, you know the what's the fundamental issues right fundamental research questions uh, the the research uh, uh, literature so and so forth yeah so uh, so I think uh, you know so basically what I feel is that uh, the, the really for uh, the the whole program is really trying to lay the foundation right that, that if you have solid foundation. Then you have all the you know things to do in your future, right? But if you uh, do not you know uh, put efforts in the real foundation, but spend time just try to get a quick publications, I think that that will be uh, do more harm uh, to to the career. True, this was very good. Well, uh, JT, last question uh, for the sure. sake of time. What's the question that I should have asked you about Evans? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I think you ask a lot of uh, excellent questions. I, I think, you know, uh, that there's one question that uh, maybe it's not whether you will ask. It's more like uh, there's one question that we as RB community, right? So uh, probably need to think a little bit more going forward. Uh, let me explain that a bit. So 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 I, you know, so just you know yesterday I was in two committees. First, I have a committee meeting to look at uh, you know uh you know tenure application, right? So we in my department, so I, I I'm chair of the tenure and promotion committee in my department, which is a managing department. So we look at uh, uh, two candidates applying for tenure and promotion, right? So, so, so that's uh, uh, the one meeting, right? Then, the, the, then right after that, I have another meeting, which is at the school level. So I'm a member of the school level, uh, you know, tenure promotion committee, right, at the business school, right? So we'll be talking about, uh, you know, candidates for promotion in another, you know, department, uh, for, for example, in economics, right? So, 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 so there's all these issues about uh, the which journal is a top journal, right? What's the requirement for tenure promotion? And then that leading to the question is the JIBS, Journal of International Business Studies, is the, uh, the A, A level journal, the same level journal as what we see with SMJ, uh, Academic Management Journal, uh, you know, General Consumer Research. Uh, general finance, right? Uh, you know, uh, accounting review. Uh, so, so, so this actually has been bothering me uh, for quite a long time. So, because let me explain. Uh, because we at uh, HQST, so we are a research school, right? So, uh, uh, so we have a list of journals. What uh, you know, the school, uh, the university, uh, believe as a top tier, right? Uh, the A A journals that that is the list. Uh, so, so I have to be honest with you that uh, Jeeps, uh, uh, unfortunately, is not on that list. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, so for for quite some years, uh, I have been making the efforts. I have tried to show, you know, in fact, I you know, uh, for some years I was uh, you know uh, associate dean for faculty. I was chair of the school uh, promotion committee. I was a senior associate dean. Uh, so 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 even with that. Um, you know, uh, I found it very difficult to convince my colleagues in other departments in finance, right? Uh, in, 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 you know, uh, in other department uh, that uh, GIPS is the same level with general finance. Uh, GIPS is the same level uh, with, uh, uh, you know, ASQ or AMG uh, or, you know, SMG. Right. Uh, so, 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 in a way, I think this is the issue that we as uh, ARB or IB community uh, have to work together uh, to move the, uh, the status of our top journal, uh, which is Jibs, to be really a, a, a premier journal that's recognized uh, by tenure promotion committees in the leading universities. Uh, I think these are, of course, there are universities. Of course, there are a lot of schools, right, recognize GIPS as, uh, you know, uh, top journal. But, but I think that, that for us, uh, I think they, this has been a real situation uh, bothering me for quite some years. Uh, you notice that uh, I published in GIPS uh, when I was in my doctoral programs, uh, very successful early on. Uh, but then I stopped publishing Jeeps for quite some years. Uh, one reason was that when I joined, you know, a uh, university, you know, they told me that they do not consider Jeeps as a top tier journal, right? So, uh, so then I began to publish in AMG, SMG, organizing science, right? Uh, so I published a lot in, in these journals, right? Uh, then, 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 of course. Uh, then of course I have my you know promotion tenure. I was a chair professor. I'm you know endowed chair. So now of course this is no longer a concern to me. So I publish more in 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 general international business studies. So 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 this uh, because I don't worry about this anymore, right? But this does raise an issue for our young scholars, right? In in our field. Particularly if you work in uh, some of the more research uh, intensive uh, schools, uh, then you know, uh, or, you know, my advice, of course, is that you want to do both, right? You want to publish in AMG, SMG, ASQ, but also at the same time you publish in GIPS, right? Uh, but but then how do we move GIPS to this uh, get the same level of recognition uh, as AMG or SMG? I think that is something uh, that uh, going forward. I think this is a big uh, a challenge uh, for all of us. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, actually, in some of the schools, uh, if you have an AMR, AMJ, SMJ, then GIPS is an A. If mm. you only have two GIPS and one uh, something less of an IB journal, then it is not an A. Uh, most schools treat it as what are the uh, other papers in the in the portfolio are they also right. a, uh, they that is what they're doing but uh, great point thank you so much um, i enjoyed it i learned a lot i'm sure the audience will agree with me thank you for your time jade thank you so much i enjoyed the conversation okay <laughs> bye bye yeah